with me to um, Isaiah 53, and we are at the very last three verses of Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, 10 to 12. Actually, um, next week, we, we're going to finish up Isaiah 53, and then the week after, we um going to talk about some uh, objections, why some uh, Jewish rabbis will read Isaiah 53 and say, well, this is not the Messiah. We're going to uh, try to see what's the reasoning, and we're going to try to answer that. And then after that, we're going to be done with Isaiah 53. Um, I think we're going to have two more um, weeks in Shadows of Golgotha after that. And then we're going to be done. Um, we started it in August of 2016, so that will be a little bit uh, around year and a half talking about shadows of Golgotha. Amen? Amen. I hope you. I hope this blessed you because if it didn't, too late. We're not gonna go back. Amen. <laughs> All right. Afterward, I'm thinking we're gonna. Uh, I'm very excited. I think we're gonna start in the book of Hebrews. Um, we're gonna talk about the supremacy of the Son of God. Uh, we're gonna just go through the book of Hebrews, and I, I already. I was off a little bit last few weeks for my pharmacy job, so I was able to get a jump start. I'm already studying studying in Hebrews. It's just going to blow your mind away. And I already did one sermon, so it's, it's just going to be so good. Hebrews is one of my favorite books in the Bible, and you'll know why when we study it. Amen? Amen. So now let's uh, go back to Isaiah 53, verse 10 to 12, last three verses in that book, in that chapter. And here is what the Bible says, But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. Uh, God will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous one, uh, by his knowledge, my righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he, was, because he poured out himself to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Amen? Amen. We, this is week uh, three when we're talking about these three verses. And if you remember what we said the last two weeks is that in these three verses, we see three main points that Isaiah is trying to point us, um, to point out for us. We see that the origin or the reason of the servant suffering, why the servant that is Jesus suffered. And we see the answer to that in the very first phrase of these three verses, that the Lord was pleased to crush him. That's the reason why Jesus suffered on the cross, to do the will and the pleasure of God to be our substitute sacrifice on the cross. And then we see the nature of that suffering, and we see how, how much pain did Jesus endure on the cross. And we see that in the very following two phrases. It pleased God to do what? To crush him, putting him to grief, or use grief and suffering as the tools to grind Jesus on the cross. That's literally what Isaiah is saying. And the nature of the suffering is that Jesus was our guilt offering, our trespass offering on the cross. And after we talked about the reason of the suffering and the nature of the suffering, now we move to the 
results of that suffering, the rewards of that suffering. And we see it here that number one, he will see his offspring. Number two, he will prolong his days. Number three, the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And as a result of the anguish of his soul, number four, he will see it and be satisfied. Amen. And today we're only going to stop on number five. That's the only phrase we're going to take today. Uh, it says this, by his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he bear their iniquities. Amen. So let's, I want you to memorize this phrase. This is going to blow your mind away. It is so good. This is what it says. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Amen? Amen. Can we say it together? I want you really to engrave this in your mind and in your heart. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Growing up, every time I come to us, I got saved when I was 12, 15, something like that. And every time I read as that part of Isaiah 53, I never had a slightest clue what Isaiah is trying to say here. What do you mean that Jesus will justify sinners by his knowledge? Because it's not really, you don't see that anywhere else in the Bible. It's always like he will justify sinners when they believe, when they trust in him, when they put their faith in him. But never you see that wording that Jesus will justify sinners by his knowledge. And there's actually two ways that you can understand that phrase, by his knowledge. Number one, you understand it this way as by what he knows, right? By his knowledge, i.e. what he knows. And number two is to understanding, understand this phrase as by knowing him, okay? So by his knowledge, he will justify many. What does it mean by his knowledge? One of two things, either by what he knows or by by knowing him. Now, there are some arguments, some commentators who argue that it means by what he knows. I personally found these arguments extremely weak and unsupported throughout the scripture. The most likely meaning, actually, that I'm pretty confident that the meaning here that Isaiah is telling us is this. By his knowledge, i.e. by knowing him, by knowing the servant, many will be justified. Amen? That's what Isaiah is trying to tell us. And we see that as a common theme throughout the scripture that knowing God or knowing Jesus is a reason of salvation. And when we say, say by knowing him, it is not like, you know, you ask anybody in the street, regardless of their religious background, they know about Jesus, right? They know who Jesus is. They heard of him, right? So when Isaiah said, by knowing him, he will justify many, he's not talking about intellectual, superficial knowledge of who Jesus is. It more talk about being fully acquainted with him. It talks about knowing him intimately. And we see that throughout the scripture. For example, Philippians 3.10, what does Paul say? He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Well, Paul, wait a minute. You are already a servant of the gospel. You know who Jesus is, right? So Paul is not talking about intellectual knowledge or information knowledge about who Jesus is. It's more about this intimate, personal knowledge of who Jesus is. Amen? That I may know him and the resurrection of his power. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus said almost the exact same thing, that eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus. That's in John 17, 3. And this is eternal life. What is eternal life? Here it is. That they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So knowing God and knowing Jesus is the very essence of what eternal life is. Amen? So knowing Jesus, knowing God, knowing the servant here, according to Isaiah 53, it is this intimate, personal knowledge of his person and who he is. Amen? Amen. But now, this is the, the best scripture in the whole Bible that really tells you what knowing God is that fits perfectly in line with the purpose of what Isaiah was telling us here, that by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, is actually found in the book of Jeremiah, verse 31, chapter 31, verse 33 to 34. Now, Jeremiah is talking about the new covenant, that's the New Testament covenant that you and I are living in. And here is what Jeremiah is saying about that new covenant. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Now, talking about the New Testament, declares the Lord. Look at this. This is extremely important. You follow me? You're with me? Okay. Here is the, the rules of that new covenant. I will put my law within them and on their hearts I will write it. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying what? Know the Lord for they will know me from the least of them to the greatest of them to declare the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities and their sin I will remember no more. So question, according to Jeremiah here, what does it mean to know God? Let's go back and read it. He said, I will write my laws in their hearts, right? I will put my law within them and on their hearts I will write it and I will be their God and they will be my people. They will not teach each other again, know the Lord. Why? Because they already know him. What does it mean to know God? Here it is, that his law will be written where? In your heart. You guys follow me? So according, we're talking Old Testament. We're not even talking New Testament. You guys follow me? This is not even Paul and justification from Romans. We're talking from Isaiah and from Jeremiah. That knowing God is that when his law is being written in your heart, when you are eternally, internally regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit and the laws of God is being rewritten in your heart, that's how you know God. You guys follow me? In other words, if I want to put this very definition under New Testament terms, I would say you must be born again. It's the exact same thing that God comes into your heart, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and regenerate you and change your heart and the laws of God will be in, inward, not just outward. You guys follow me? So let's go back and look what Isaiah is telling us here. Isaiah said, by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify the many. If I want to rephrase it by incorporating what Jeremiah is teaching us here to know God, 
we can say that Isaiah is saying this. By becoming born again, my righteous servant will justify the many, right? He's saying when the law of God is being written in your heart, when you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you will be justified because of Jesus. That's Old Testament, you guys, right? We're not talking New Testament here, right? <laughs> we haven't even used a single scripture in the New Testament. This is God's plan of salvation that was not just brand new, came under the New Testament. This is the eternal plan of God's salvation that when he regenerates the sinner's heart, then they will be justified before the holy and the righteous God. Amen? Amen? Now, let's move to the second part. It says, my righteous servant shall justify many. Now, in Hebrew, the word righteous and righteous servant and the word justify, they're pretty much the exact same word. There is really a word play here. That's what Isaiah is telling us. Literally, if you want to understand what Isaiah is saying, he's saying this. My just servant will justify many, okay? Or my righteous servant will make many righteous. It's the exact same word that describes the servant, describes the very action that will be happened to the many who will know him, i.e. become born again. Amen? You guys follow me, right? This is so good. What Isaiah is telling us here is this. By becoming born again, when the law of God is engraved in your heart and the Holy Spirit in, comes in your heart, the very nature, look at this, the very nature of the servant will be yours. Isn't that crazy? This is Old Testament. This is not, we're not talking from Romans 3 and 4, you know, how God's impute righteousness to sinners. We're talking from Isaiah. That Isaiah is telling us, when you become born again by knowing Jesus, by knowing the servant, the very nature of the servant will be yours. This is Old Testament, not New Testament. You guys follow me? And this is precisely the whole point of the New Testament, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 5.21 talks about Jesus. Here is what Paul said. He made him, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Same thing that Isaiah was saying. The very righteousness of God will become ours. We will be the righteousness of God because of Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Amen? 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him, of Jesus, are ye in Christ Jesus, who, who is made unto us wisdom and righteousness. He is our righteousness. He's the cause, the origin, and the reason for our righteousness because in Isaiah's words, by his knowledge, my righteous servant will make many righteous. Amen? Philippians 3.9 and to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus Christ, the righteousness which God, which is of God by faith. This is the New Testament, but we see it very clearly in the Old Testament that when you believe in Jesus, when you know Jesus, when your heart is being transformed by Jesus, then his very nature will be 
yours. You will be as righteous and as clean before God as Jesus himself because he will impute his nature to yours when you become born again. Amen? Amen. Romans 4, 21 to 25. Now, Paul here is talking about uh, uh, about Abraham in the Old Testament and how the Bible say that he believed God and it was counted for him for righteousness. I.e., when Abraham trusted in God, he became righteous before God. He became justified before God. And look at this, Romans 4, 21, 25. And being fully, that's Abraham, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was counted for Abraham for righteousness. Now look at this good news that Paul is telling each one of us. Now, that phrase, it was counted for him for righteousness, was not written for his sake alone, that it is imputed to him, but for also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus Christ our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses, and he was raised because of our justification. What is Paul is saying here is this. When you put your trust in Christ and in the sufficiency of his sacrifice that he has accomplished on the cross, God will deposit into your very own account his own righteousness. You don't have to strive anymore to be made justified before God because that you are justified the moment you believe. Amen? Isn't that precisely what Isaiah was just telling us? By his knowledge. When you come to know him and your heart is being regenerated because of Jesus, by his knowledge, the very nature of the servant, the very righteous and just nature of the, service, of the servant will be yours. This is Old Testament, right? Isn't that just wonderful? But look at this. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify all, right? How many? Many. many. Remember in Isaiah 53, 6, what did Isaiah said? He said that all we have sinned, we have gone away from God, each one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Remember that? Put it together. What does that mean? That means even though the servant has borne the sins of all, yet he will justify not all, but there's a big difference between all and many. You guys follow me? That means there are some people, even though the servant has already borne their sins on the cross, yet they will not be justified because they refuse to be justified by the servant. Amen? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that God loved who? The whole world, the 7 billion people in this world, that he gave his one and only son for who? For the world, right? For the every single one in this world. That everyone in this world, that the world, the Bible say, that the world shall not perish but have an everlasting life, right? No. What does John say? What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? He didn't say that the world might not perish but have an everlasting life. But Jesus said, but whosoever believe in him should not perish and have an everlasting life. What does that mean? That means that uh, there are people that even though God loved and God gave his son for their salvation, yet they will still perish and not have everlasting life. Why? Because they did not uh, believe. Because they refused 
the knowledge of his righteous servant. This is the gospel, right? But this is not in the New Testament. This is from the Old Testament. I'm telling you, this phrase is just blowed my mind, blew my mind away. My righteous servant, by his knowledge, shall justify many. And then it says, why? Why is the servant able to justify the many when you know him by his knowledge? And here is the reason why. For he shall bear their iniquities. The reason why the servant is able to justify many by his knowledge is because he will be their substitute. He'll pay for their sins on the cross. He will bear their iniquities. Now, bear their iniquities. I think when Isaiah wrote that, the Jewish people who, who read that, their mind might probably have gone back, all the way back to the day of atonement in Leviticus chapter 16 which supposedly they do these rituals every day. And they remember that in the day of atonement, God commanded, we talked about this for three weeks, God has commanded that they bring two goats. One is for the Lord that they kill, and that's the substitute, and the blood of that goat can be used to enter into the Holy of Holies. And the other goat is called the goat of Azazel. That's the escape goat, right? And here is what the rituals that comes with the escape goat. Aaron shall lay, Aaron the high priest, Moses' brother, shall lay both his hands on the head of the life goat, the Azazel, the escape goat. And look at this. Confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning their sins. And look at that. Read with me. Putting them on the head of the goat. And it shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. And then it says what? The goat shall do what? Bear on itself all the iniquities to the uninhabited land. To an uninhabited land. And it shall release the goat in the wilderness. So... The goat will bear on itself the iniquity of the children of Israel and it goes to the wilderness and nobody see it again as a symbolism of God's forgiveness to the children of Israel based on the goat that was killed and its blood used to enter into the Holy of Holies and the other goat that resembles the forgiveness of God based on the same goat. These two goats kind of linked. It's the same Thing, you know, they're linked together. One dies to provide atonement, and the other one runs into the wilderness to provide forgiveness. Amen? And that's the God that bears the sin. And Isaiah said that that servant will bear our iniquities just like the goat in the day of atonement will bear the iniquities of the children of Israel. So that will go back, that the servant will be our substitute, will bear our sins. Later on, in the same chapter, in Isaiah 53, 12, we just read that part. And it says here, actually, if you want to turn back with me, read verse 12 with me. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death. He was numbered with the transgressors and did what? Yet he himself did what? Bore the sin of many. The servant is the sin bearer, who is the one who bore the sin on behalf of those who are being justified. Same principle, we see it in, in Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away, the Greek word here, take away, also carry the exact same meaning of to bear. 
the sins of many. And he will appear the second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Amen? Isn't that just unbelievably amazing what Isaiah was telling here? Let me rephrase what Isaiah was saying, okay? Isaiah was telling us this. The servant will be our substitute. He will bear our sins and he will pay for it himself. And then if you let him regenerate your heart and know him, then his very nature, his very just and righteous nature will be imputed to you. This is Old Testament, guys, not New Testament. This is Old Testament. Amen? But do you see how the word of God is so powerful and is so linked together? Jesus died on the cross. Isn't that precisely the New Testament message? Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sins. And if you repent and turn to him and say, Jesus, come into my heart and change me. At that moment, you will be born again into the family of God. And the very righteousness of God will be imputed to you by faith when you just trust in Jesus. Amen? Let's close our eyes and pray.